0: around the world. We are back at it again. It's another episode of Run the Point. I am your east side representative. You can call me the beast from the east, the Hispanic from the Atlantic, and on the other side of the great United States, we have Aaron. What's up, Aaron? What's going on, Rob? How are you? I'm ready to talk about all this craziness that's been going on in the National Football League, man. I have never seen such a flood of move. moves. <laughs> yeah, they, they are making waves. They are making waves. So let's get into it without further ado. Uh, we're gonna start today's episode off by discussing some of the some of the big and maybe not so big names that have been either uh, reported to uh, sign once free agency officially hits, or uh, have been traded in uh, in recent days. Um, we'll kind of get into whether or not we think these players are a, a good fit with their new team and also um, the proposed impact that they're going to have with, with that team as well. Um, but first, really quickly, just want to list the, the five teams that have the most cap space this offseason. Uh, we have the Cleveland Browns, the New York Jets, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the San Francisco 49ers, the Indianapolis Colts. And then the five teams that have the least amount of cap space this offseason, the Dallas Cowboys, the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Kansas City Chiefs, the Miami Dolphins, and your defending champion, Philadelphia Eagles. Now, we have no uh, specific order for these players. They're not ranked in any sort of importance or anything like that. Uh, We're going to start off by getting into um, the most recent name that came up, at least in in my news feed. Uh, via my sources, Mohamed Mo Wilkerson, who uh, reportedly will sign with the Green Bay Packers. Um, Aaron, any any thoughts on uh, Mo Wilkerson with Green Bay?
1: So I think um, I think they got better. You know, I think he kind of fits into you know the um, to the whole pack deal. Um, he improves a, a pretty crappy defense. Um, so to speak. So, granted, they were on the field a lot just because without Aaron Rodgers, they didn't have much of a uh, impact. But you know, I think given the uh, kind of given their impact, he's definitely going to improve uh, their line, and um, you know, give them a give them enough re you know enough needed boost to kind of uh, you know help improve that that struggling D they had last year.
0: It was struggling indeed. Uh, first of all, uh, I, I do think that Mo Wilkerson is a good fit with the Packers. Um, for one, just because, as you mentioned, the, the type of defense that they run. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, they do still run uh, a 3-4-D, a base 3-4-D. Um, but one of the most important things that come to mind with Mo Wilkerson is, is a very low-risk, high-reward signing. I mean, if he can get anywhere near – Uh, the Pro Bowl level he was at in the early parts of his career with the Jets, this is, you know, I I don't, I'm not sure that there have been any specifics reported with his specific uh, prospective contract, but uh, I would assume that it's going to be one heck of a bargain if he plays anywhere near his prior Pro Bowl level. Um, And another good point you brought up, Aaron, is he's he's improving what was a horrible defense. I mean, the Packers were a mess last year. Um, They haven't, necessarily been stout on defense throughout most of Aaron Rodgers' tenure with them, so it, definitely, definitely an improvement. Uh, as far as his impact, whenever I think of the Packers, the first defensive name that comes to mind after all these years is Clay Matthews. I'm still a little bit bitter that the Saints didn't draft him years ago, but if, if you can add to the, the stoutness and the dominance of the Packers' D-line, uh, you know, especially the, the, in, the, in the middle, uh, it's going to free up some space for, for pass rushers like a Clay Matthews. And perhaps if those Packers can be disruptive and opportunistic, I don't think they're going to be uh, a very good defense, but definitely one that can be opportunistic. And, you know, with an offense led by Aaron Rodgers, that's really all you need is uh, to win the turnover battle and you have a pretty, pretty darn good chance to win in most games. Another thing that stood out to me was the Packers rarely sign free agents, it seems like, especially on defense. So not sure what's going on over there in Green Bay, but they're they're definitely spending some money, making some moves. Uh, Next up, a guy that is near and dear to to my my heart, Jimmy Graham, who also went to the Green Bay Packers. Any specifics on Mr. Graham? What do you think?
1: So I like – So I like this move. I think it helps give Aaron Rodgers someone reliable. The only thing that scares me about this is just truly trying to find someone else. I mean, I think I don't think you can have just two offensive threats like they currently have with Devontae Adams and Jimmy. So I you know, and, and to me it's the only thing is is that Jimmy is um He's almost kind of a one-trick pony. He's not a great, you know, route runner. He's just more of a big body to where it's just kind of you throw it up and he'll catch it. Uh, You know, he's not known for, you know, kind of his uh, shifty moves or, you know, route running ability, just more of a a big body, a big target. So I think it helps him in the red zone and improves that, Um, gives him another, another deep threat to throw to. Uh, but I just kind of fear without getting, you know, someone else to kind of help free up some space, uh, you know, I just feel like Jimmy Graham's just going to keep getting hit. (laughs) Don't want him to see, you know, him to just turn into a, a deep threat and that's it.
0: Well, when I opened my phone to read this notification today, I could only read half of said notification. And as I opened the entire notification itself, I was waiting to read that he had signed with the New Orleans Saints, but obviously that was not the case. But anyway, I digress. So th- this is a very good fit for the Packers. Um, the, the Packers really, really lack red zone targets um, outside of Devontae Adams. Um, so this, this definitely helps them in, in, in that department. Um and outside of the earlier years of of JerMichael Finley, uh, you know, I'm I'm drawing a little bit of a blank on the whole timeline here, but I I I believe JerMichael Finley played most of his career with with the with a younger Aaron Rodgers. They haven't really had a a legit tight end threat on that offense. I mean, it was a short-lived Martellus Bennett experiment, but that that didn't end so well. Um, they did uh, they did release Jordy Nelson or at least that was the report. I'm not sure if that was official quite yet, but they will be releasing Jordy Nelson. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is by nature a, a gunslinger uh, taken after his uh, former Green Bay Packer uh, quarterback teacher, Mr. Favre himself. Um, another thing is Jimmy Graham is not going to block. That man does not block. But doesn't really matter because the Packers do not run. So match made in heaven, I guess. As far as his impact, Aaron, you touched on on the red zone. and I, I brought it up a with bit myself. He's, he's definitely going to aid them in the red zone, um, especially being that the Packers lack a formidable run game. Uh, he's also going to help with their third down efficiency, uh, add another dimension to that offense. And you know, the, the Packers want to want to spread the ball out. So if, if and when they they do that up there in the in the frozen tundra, you can split Jimmy Graham out wide. So you know definitely definitely a good addition but i i do agree with uh, the the one trick pony assessment you mentioned aaron uh but the packers have a, a fairly diverse offense and when you when you add that one trick it's a pretty darn good one uh let's go on to the bears who <laughs> the, the bears the Bears are really making some moves and they they're really adding to this offense they they obviously believe in mitchell trubisky they, they drafted him highly um you know, the jury's still out on him. He didn't he didn't show too much in one way or the other during his rookie season. Uh, but a couple guys they picked up: wide receiver Allen Robinson and tight end Trey Burton. Uh, thoughts on those two guys coming to Chicago, Aaron?
1: I think this is probably one of the best free agent moves I've seen out there because, like you mentioned, so they didn't give up on, you know, Trubisky. I think, like you said, perfect analysis. He didn't show anything bad. He didn't show anything good. He kind of went out there and asked you to do uh, and kind of did what he could do. You know, he didn't turn the ball over too much. He didn't make, you know, too much of anything. But, you know, he came in and he was as good as the game manager as he could be on the Bears last year. Um, And so I think that, to me, showed a lot to us and a lot to the Bears so it's kind of like alright we kind of got a guy he's got the potential now we just kind of need to get him some help and put him in better situations because uh, pretty much all they really had last year was just the running game um, and that was it and so I think Allen Robinson and, and Bur- both Trey Burton best things the Bears could do get Trubisky some help put him in better situations and hopefully um, you know they can get out and uh, get some leads and, you know, play from, you know, up front instead of behind. And I think we'll see uh, a lot, and it kind of shows that the Bears are all in on Trubisky. So hopefully within the next two years or so, you know, he kind of proves himself as uh, as viable. And, uh, you know, the Bears are back to being a prominent NFL uh, organization again.
0: Another guy that uh, we can't forget, and he's he obviously is an, uh, an addition this offseason, and I haven't done research on this, but I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on the limb and say he's still under contract. This is a guy that the Bears are really high on at the beginning of last season then. He unfortunately missed most, if not all, of last season due to injury. Uh Cameron Meredith. Uh he was he was really coming into his own. So add add another big big body receiver like him to the mix and you know, a, a decent decent uh receiving core for uh for Mr. Trubisky. Um so now, with that said, I, I do think it's, it's a good fit. Uh, I really believe that Trubisky needs a you know, big, tall possession-type receiver such as Robinson, Burton, I just mentioned uh, Kevin Meredith, uh, th- to complement what seems to be uh, manifesting as a as a ball-control type of offense in Chicago. They've got a very good running game, as you mentioned, Jordan Howard and the, the rookie from last year, Tariq Cohen. By the way, the Saints were looking at drafting, but I'm glad they took Mr. Kamara. Uh, Trubisky is not someone that I think wants to take deep five, seven-step drops, and I don't think the Bears will hold on to the ball too often. I'm sorry, for too long. So quick reads, as I mentioned, these big-body receivers, guys who can get separation, get physical, um, and with their running game, these big guys presumably would be fairly decent blockers on the outside. So all all these things are are shaping up to form, as I said, a pretty decent offense in Chicago, or at least the potential to be just that. Uh, And then as far as impact, just going off, you know, the the tangent I just had security blankets for Trubisky as he gets a feel for this NFL game. We both kind of agreed that he he didn't, he didn't do anything astonishing, but he also didn't do anything that, that made you say, what is this guy? He doesn't belong here. He's, He played decent. He did what was asked of him. And one thing regarding Allen Robinson, if Blake Bortles can can turn him into a decent receiver, I think trubisky has got a shot at doing just that. Moving on to uh, some more defense, Uh, a guy that we still don't know why he wasn't given the opportunity to show his talents in the big game back in February, Malcolm Butler. Signed down with, with the with the Titans, Aaron. Do you have any you have any uh, any numbers on this? Do you have any any financial figures before you get into how you feel about Mister Butler going to Tennessee?
1: All I know is Malcolm is getting paid, so he gets a uh, thirty million guarantee, and I want to say it was like a five year deal, five year thirty million. I believe so, yeah. And uh, up to potential to make, I think uh, sixty million overall. So, um you know, I think uh you know, money talks. Do I think he's worth it? Yeah, it could be potentially, but um you know, he definitely to me, um I like him. I will say this, I think going to Tennessee bids well in his favor. because um, a couple of things. So I don't so I think where Malcolm Butler struggles is when he faces bigger, taller more stronger receivers. I think with the speedy guys, he can hold his own, just being him being a little bit smaller and uh, a little bit more physical than they typically uh, typically are. So it bids well in his favor. And kind of going to the AFC South, those are particularly, you know, the uh, the kind of receivers he's going to see, uh, you know, DeAndre Hopkins, you um, you know, tight guy. And I, and I could see him holding on, you know, MD, don't really know what's going on with T. By Hilton or wherever they're going to be. Um, so it's just kind of, to me, it's like, okay, bids, you know, Bidswell and they're fortunate. And I think he'll make a, an impact help out that Tennessee defense with, uh, you know, definitely one of the McCourties back there too in the backfield, you know, to kind of help them. So their their secondary was already pretty legit. Um, you know, I don't think anyone feared them. But uh, I don't think anyone kind of went in there, too, just thinking, oh, we got this, and uh, it's going to be a 300, 400-yard passing day for our QB um, either. So, you know, I think it improves the the already kind of solid defense. Um, He gets what he wants, and that's a hell of a lot of money because he wasn't getting that from New England, I can tell you that much. And, uh, you know, I I definitely am excited for him. You know, hate to see him go, but uh, at the same time, you know, hey, in Belichick we trust, right? And Belichick, we trust. Oh my goodness.
0: Uh, well, Mr. Butler, Mr. Butler, he is getting paid, that's for sure. Uh, when I think of the, the Tennessee defense historically, um, they they usually have speedy, athletic linebackers. But nobody, nobody that that would really scare me as an offense. Uh, but. They seem to want to build their defensive foundation around their front four and their secondary. You know, you, you mentioned you mentioned McCordy, so adding a, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna loosely call him a shutdown corner. Uh, I I say that with a with a grain of salt. Uh, I I think he's good but not great. But I would I would consider him to be on on the, the lower tier of, of that of that threshold. Um, you add a guy like that. Um, you know, it's gonna it's gonna further aid the the defensive line to to get to the quarterback and and, and get some pressure. And as as you mentioned, Tennessee's defense, where uh, I don't think people greatly feared them, but I also didn't think anybody took them as a joke. You know, I don't have any statistics in front of me to to uh, uh, mention where they ranks against the the run or the pass or uh, as far as uh, pressuring quarterbacks or e- even sack totals, but. Uh, I without like so without giving it much thought that they were they were defense that was good but not great uh, adding a guy like Malcolm Butler I'm not necessarily looking at Butler himself but the impact that he can have on the defense if he's able to hold the zone specifically the defensive line down there in Tennessee and as far as his impact Titans run the ball well despite them. Uh, Releasing Demarco Murray, uh, unfortunately, I had Derrick Henry as one of my main sleeper fantasy football picks next season, but no longer a sleeper because he's now seemingly the guy. But anyways, they they, they run the ball well. They they want to control the clock. Uh, I'm still not sure how in the world they made the playoffs last season, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, so adding a lockdown corner such as Butler can can you know further assist with with them having the ball longer on offense and continuing to, to be a a ball control team in general. All right, let's, let's get this over with Danny Amendola. What do you think about Mr. Danny Amendola going down to Miami?
1: So I don't like it solely because of this, I think Danny Amendola is an amazing, amazing slot receiver. I think he is the benefit of the system. Um, So I think Danny Amendola, playoff Dola, I loved him in New England. He showed up in big games, big game Danny. Um, You know, great complimentary police. I would kind of equate Danny Amendola to like an Andre Iguodala type. You know, he's a (laughs) great veteran, a great guy who's going to come in and at this point in his career assist your team in making a run and provide you and do his job, you know. You're not going to ask Iggy to come out and kind of be the uh, the Philadelphia Sanity Sixers Iggy. You're just going to ask him to come off the bench, play some good defense, get you about eh, 10 points, six rebounds, three assists. Kind of the same way I look at a uh, playoff DOLA, you know? Hey, he's probably going to get you about 50 catches, you know, 700, you know, 600, 700 yards, five touchdowns or something like that. But, um, You know, I I just think with kind of where Miami is, it doesn't just really fit in because he's not your number one or number two go-to guy. Uh, He's more of like a third down, uh, you know, put him in the slot type guy. So unless Miami's going back to the old, you know, Wes Welker, uh, you know, quick passing game type, you know, things. I mean, I just don't see it. And plus you're going with Ryan Tannehill, like, How do you leave Brady and go to freaking Ryan Tannehill? (laughs) Like, I mean, I saw a meme today and I thought it was the funniest thing in the world because it said the only person who's going to miss, you know, Tom or miss Danny and miss Danny Amendola more than Tom Brady is going to be Ryan Tannehill. And uh, (laughs) like, that's exactly (laughs) the truth. (laughs) Oh my gosh, man! That oh.
0: Uh, you're gonna have to post that you gonna have to post that meme to our to our run the point Facebook page. <laughs> yeah. so oh, I,
1: mean, gosh. I, that. I think it's just that, you know, I you know, I'm happy for Danny. You know, he's probably gonna get more money than he was gonna get in New England. Uh he probably maybe felt his time there was done, but I just think with the way they're set up, um, and kind of their team is just not a good addition for him. Um, because it's kind of like, you know, hey, in New England, you had Cooks, you had Edelman, you had Gronk. You know, he he was kind of like the last option almost at times, and he got put up against the bum corner, and now, uh, you know, he can win that matchup. And so, uh, and holy crap. So, you know, completely off the topic, but just because we're talking about the Patriots, so just in hot take. Dion Lewis signs four-year deal with the Titans. Oh, yeah.
0: So, so, so now, so now the number of Patriots <laughs> running backs goes from six to five. I got yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> so another thing about the Patriots.
1: To, <laughs> yeah. so go, go back ahead. to Danny. I mean, hey, like I said, hey, I wish him the best, and uh, you know, we'll see what happens.
0: So so we talked about uh, the the Patriots not wanting to pay Butler, and now possibly not wanting to pay Amendola. I don't know if this actually came down to money, Uh, but you you also said in Belichick we trust. Well, and under the radar, uh, I believe was a trade that happened was Denny Denny Shelton, defensive tackle, going to. Going to, yep. uh, and, going to New England and you, know, you you', you you're pairing with a guy like malcolm brown and and the Patriots just seemingly just stack up that defensive line it would, would get with just savvy guys and it just happens year in and year out that's that's one signing that's probably not going to get talked about very much, but one that's extremely important and very under the radar uh, i I was a big fan of Danny Shelton coming out of college and you know he's. He's probably going to shine down in New England or up in New England, I should say. Um, my thoughts on Dola though. Uh, I I think this is a poor fit. I agree with most, if not all of what you just said, Aaron, Uh, he's, he's not really a go-to guy. Uh, He's no, he's no Jarvis Landry, uh, who was just a reception monster during his time in in Miami. Landry was, that is. Um, And I, I I question his ability to even try and step into that role of a go-to guy. And, you mentioned him being a great slot receiver. Well, they they got Kenny Stills in the squad. Um, I mean, their other receivers, Devontae Parker. Um, I I mean, I don't I don't know what to think of that receiving core. I don't know who's going to be the number one option, number two, number three. And doesn't really matter if Tannehill's slinging the rock, anyways. Uh, reference to that means that was hilarious, by the way. Um, as far as impacts, once again, depends on Tannehill. I mean, can can. Amandola, you know, rack up the receptions at at a high catch rate, uh, and what's the percentage going to be of completions when Tanhill targets Amandola? Uh, I I think the the accuracy and 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 those numbers will kind of tell the story of how successful or unsuccessful this addition uh, will be for for Miami. All right. <laughs> we couldn't go too long without bringing up uh, you know the, the guy who, who set the tone for not only the NFL, but probably the entire sports world. Uh, Say what you got to say about Kirk Cousins going to the Vikings. Go ahead. What in
1: the hell are the Vikings doing? So, Kirk Cousins reportedly, supposedly, is getting $86 million guaranteed. 86 million guaranteed. Like, NBA guaranteed. And I think that's the dumbest thing in the Freaking world, you could do. I just am not a Kirk Cousins fan. I don't think he can lead you to the promised land. I think he's a solid NFL Brad Johnson type quarterback. I just have no faith in him whatsoever. And I think the Vikes to give up on a young Teddy Bridgewater and a Case Keenum who, you know, played his ass off this year, minus, you know one or two games but I just and you go all in on Kirk Cousins? Like (laughs) really? I just I mean yeah. I you know, for me like I said, I'm just not a fan of his and I think this is probably the dumbest move I've seen him to give him eighty six million guaranteed like woo that's a lot of money for a guy who hasn't shown you much.
0: Kirk Cousins. First of all, let me just point out a couple of things that, that, I, that I picked up on uh, throughout, throughout the day. Um, Kirk Cousins, he was franchise tagged twice. So we got the average of the top five salaries of quarterbacks in the NFL in back-to-back seasons. Now he, Now he gets this reported 80-plus million guaranteed. And when this deal is done, he's only going to be 32 years old, and it will be time for a new CBA in the NFL. This man is not only getting paid now, he not only has gotten paid the last two seasons, we have not heard the last of Kirk Cousins laughing to the bank. So just wanted to dish out those nuggets real quick. Uh, but, this, you know, I, I agree with, with your criticism of, of the Vikings and, you know, saying what are they doing paying all this money. You know, we already had Case Keenum. You know, we have the potential in Bridgewater. uh Bradford, I, I definitely wouldn't put any stock in, into him as, as leading the Vikings anywhere down the road. But Kirk Cousins, just on the surface, if you're just going to crunch some numbers, this is a guy who had three straight years of 4,000 plus passing yards and somewhere in the range of 64 to 69 plus percentage uh, with his completion percentage. Um, and he, he wasn't exactly on some great offensive teams in Washington. So you you, you put him on Minnesota, and he's got two, two legit receivers, and uh, Adam Thielen and this guy who I uh, refuse to mention his name who caught the winning touchdown against my Saints in the playoffs. Uh, you, you have a you know, a good tight end in Kyle Rudolph. you got a solid running game, especially when Dalvin Cook returns. So I'm not really sure uh, if, if they're going to hang on to the other backs they have. Uh, but, you know, Latavius Murray's definitely a big physical back who is also extremely slow, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, He's he's going into a good situation. So just just at the surface, things seem to be poised to work out well during this tenure he's going to have with the Vikings. Uh, And I mentioned how he wasn't exactly on some good offenses in Washington. Kirk's finally going to know what it's like to... Play with the lead consistently. I would imagine, you know, the Vikings were a good team last year. I expect them to be formidable this upcoming season as well. And he's going to have a really, really good defense. So uh, it, it remains to be seen. Uh, you know, the, the one concern that I have would be, you know, what's Kirk going to do when things are going well and he, and the spotlight's on him and he's just got to perform at a very, very high level. Whereas in Washington, there really wasn't much pressure. Hey, he was franchise tagged. He was like, eh, I got my money. Uh, the Redskins were a bad team. I think they, they uh, won the division one year, at eight 8-8 and eight or 9-7. and seven. But for the most part, you know, he was kind of flying under the radar. He put up some good statistics. But how is he going to handle now being the guy and now <laughs> being the guy that everyone's going to have their eyes on with this ridiculous money that he's stacking? All right, let's, uh, let's get on to some defending champion Philadelphia Eagles uh, signings. Well, one, ones, the they may both be trades. Um, both Michael Bennett and Haloti Nada adding up to the already formidable defensive line over in Philly, land of the cheesesteaks and the Lombardi Trophy. Thoughts on uh, on these additions to the D line, Aaron, for Philly.
1: So I'm going to be interested to see how this plays out for one or two reasons. So this year. Philly's D-line was kind of built on speed, um, so they kind of went into that, uh, that blitz speed rush package, whatever they called it. I don't remember the name of it. But, um, you know, I think it's so kind of depending on how that, you know, what they want to do, because these guys to me aren't, uh, at this point in their career, that speed guy. Um, you know, they're more of clog up the middle type and, um, you know, I think it will work for, you know, you know, the NFC East or the NFC Lease, however we want to call it. Um, but, you know, in those late game pass rush situations in the fourth down where you need to kind of make a play, uh, I don't foresee these guys being on the field um, <laughs> just because of that. Um, so I think it works for them if they just play them in, you know, some sort of, you know, kind of bring them in on third and short goal line packages uh, type deal um, or, you know, specific run rundown uh, type things. But um, from just the overall standpoint, I just kind of – it'll be interesting to see what happens, but um, obviously having a guy like Michael Bennett on your D-line is always a plus, so I can't say it's a total fail. Um, <laughs> but just more so of uh, kind of what their role is, what their team will be, And, um, you know, team friendly deal, obviously, because the Eagles don't have that much cap space. Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, I think it works, but at the same time, I'm just kind of like, um, you know, we'll see. I think they really need more help in the secondary, uh, than they do on the D line. And you saw what some good offensive lines were able to do to that defense, uh, and kind of torch them for a lot of yards. So, uh, I think that should have been more of a focus and definitely just in the NFC East with you're going up against the Dez twice a year, even though he's been lacking in production, um, you know, from a guy like OBJ and maybe a, you know, that healthy wideout core they had um, up in with the Giants. So we'll see, uh, you know, like I said, I don't think it's a total fail, but um, you know, I think we'll have to kind of say this one's a wash in my book and, see how it plays out at the end of the year.
0: I have a couple quick thoughts on, on these two guys. I think this is a very underrated in a good way, simply because I do expect them to be thrust into part-time and or specialty roles, such as you alluded to. Um, not necessarily the the NASCAR package. That's the word you're looking for. What is the NASCAR package as uh, run-the-point jeopardy for you? Um, yeah, so they, they've got a lot of speed in that defensive line and th- this, this is, this is what they're missing. So they're, they're, they're adding to, to a weakness, if you will. And, you know, they're, they're going to play them when the situation calls for it. And if you have a, a couple of guys like Michael Bennett and a Lodi not on your, in your back pocket to, to play, you know, for a certain percentage of snaps a game, it could only help. And the rich get richer. The C line just gets a little bit better in my opinion. Uh Sammy Watkins going to the Chiefs. what you got about Sammy Watkins what' you think
1: <laughs> uh we'll see i he, you know I he got think some good money one, he got some
0: good he got some good money by the way he got he got paid a little
1: bit so I think this one we'll see um I like him he's kind of you know i, I don't really know how he's been with uh, you know kind of coming off you know. That injury, so, you know, I I don't think it's a bad move, but I also think it depends on Patrick Mahomes. Uh, I think their offense is stacked, but then again, it's just Andy Reid, and you know he's going to find a way to lose in the first round of the playoffs if they make it. Like, I'm just not an Andy Reid guy. Um, to me, he just reminds me of Jeff Fisher. You know he's going to go 7-9, 8-8, and, nine, eight and eight. Um, you know. <laughs> so, for me, it's just like... Yeah, cool. I mean, they had a great offense last year, and where did they end up? So just, like, now we're going to a rookie quarterback and just adding more pieces. um, It's kind of like, cool, what about on your defense? What are you doing there? You know, you lost a couple of pieces. So, I mean, at the end of the day, they'll probably start off hot and be amazing, and then at the end of the year, you'll just, like, you know, they stop running the football, and then they're asking, you know, Patrick Mahomes to throw it 45 to 50 times um, and, you know, run some sort of funky spread option with, you know, Tyreek Hill in the backfield uh, and then spread them out and put them on the center. Like, what the hell are you doing, Andy Reid? Uh so Andy <laughs> I think Reed. it's great for, Andy Sammy, <laughs> for Sammy Watkins, but. You know they got Andy Reid there, and he'll find a way to screw it up. So at the end of the day, I think it'll be a total fail. So <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna
0: have to uh, respectfully disagree with you. But uh, first, let me just report the numbers here: three years, forty-eight mil with thirty guaranteed, which I think is a bit much for Mister Watkins. But uh, a couple points here: um, why I think this is this is gonna work out is because the Chiefs were lacking a big physical wide receiver to complement as you mentioned, Tyree Kill, that can separate at the line of scrimmage. Um, and I think he's going to free up space for Kelsey because with, with Tyree Kill, um, with with the, the running backs that they had, with the type of offense they run, uh, Kelsey was really the only one that, would, despite his, his Pro Bowl-level success and you know, just his, just his prowess side of his career, Kelsey, that is, he was really the only one that was threatening with those underneath to kind of mid, mid-level routes. So you had, a, you had a guy to kind of take some of that pressure off Kelsey. And offensively, I think this was a good move. But I do agree with you that they, they really didn't do much to help their defense, which was shredded last year, especially once uh, Eric Berry went down. They, they, they did lose Marcus Peters in the offseason, which we'll get to in a minute. Uh, give us, give us a, quick words, uh, a few quick words on Case Keenum going to the Broncos.
1: So I like it. I do. Um, I don't think, for me, I I think it's better than what they had, obviously. Um, You can't get much worse than what Denver had at a quarterback. So I think here they get a guy who is good. I don't think Case Keenum is great. uh, But Case Keenum showed you a lot this year to where uh, you put the right pieces around him um, and he can can do good. So I think they've got that. Um, I think the only two things that worry me about this is like I've been saying is Denver's defense is getting old and Denver's defense is starting to get figured out. Um, And you started to see it last year. And so that to me worries me because if they're trying to rely on their defense, I don't think they're going to be as great. And then the other thing I think that this causes problems with is Denver doesn't have a running game. Um, And, you know, years past, that's what, you know, when Elway was there at quarterback and they had Terrell Davis and Rod Smith and Ed McCaffrey, um, you know, they had some solid running backs. And ever since then, they really haven't had anybody. I know Clinton Portis had a couple of good years out there. um, But I think they've just really been lacking in that position, um, you know, so to speak. So it will be interesting to see if they can't find a good, you know, young back. Uh, maybe to add to kind of help him out because uh, I think, you know, anybody besides probably the top three quarterbacks in a Brady or Rogers or, a um, you know, a Breeze, you can ask to just kind of go out there and say, okay, hey, you don't got a running game, but go win me this game anyway. Uh, and there are a few guys in the league who could do that. So, um, you know, it'll be interesting. Uh, but I think Case Keenum, you know, I think you see a drop off from where he was at. Uh, with the Vikings, but um, also just say, too, it's not completely all on him. I just think uh, Denver is more so trending down uh, than they are trending up, and the Vikings were more so trending up uh, than they were down. So we'll see. I've
0: been on record saying that I've been heavily critical of Denver for not bringing in a veteran quarterback after – they won the Super Bowl with Peyton Manning, and Peyton Manning subsequently retired. Now, Case Keenum I don't, it's better than what they had. You're right. But I don't think this is going to work out as well as people may think because I think Denver just needs a veteran who has got just a little bit more to offer than Case Keenum. I, I don't know who that, who that could have been, but I just think they need a little bit more than Case Keenum to stay afloat because they are a team, as he said, that's trending down rather than up. Um, Case Keenum excelled in, in Minnesota, where everything was in his favor. It was the perfect environment for Case Keenum. Uh, and also, another thing about Case Keenum, I don't know, I don't know if he's going to be able to handle things when Denver's D isn't quite as good as it has been in years past. He put the put the game on Case Keenum's shoulders. I don't know how he's going to respond. Uh, but we'll see, we'll see, definitely better than what they had, that, that's, that's that's for certain. Richard Sherman going, going, back, back to Cali, Cali, what do you think about Sherman going to the Niners?
1: So I like this, I like it a lot, the only thing that worries me is him, um, you know, he'll be 30, It's coming off, you know, the Achilles, which is not, as you can tell, as a football Physical therapist. It's just not a easy injury for a guy in his 30s just to come back from. It could go 50-50, um, but I think you know he's also had some bone spurs in the other foot um, as well. So I think it kind of truly depends on Sherman. I think this one's just going to be all on him. The Niners' defense has been solid. Um, you know, I just think giving their woes on offense has really caused them. Uh, to play, but I think we saw it the last couple of games with Jimmy G. Uh, He revitalized that whole team and that defense just started playing better. Uh, You know, it seemed like the O line started blocking better. It just seemed like everything started to fall into place uh, when Jimmy G got there and that team got revitalized. So I think it's bringing another guy in like Sherman, who's a high energy guy who's going to be in their face. Um, You know, not afraid to speak out. He's back in his hometown, so to speak. Um, you know, Stanford guy, so coming back to the area, uh, you know, he kind of fits in. He knows it. So, uh, for me, I, I, I like it. You know, he doesn't. He stays in the same league, so he's kind of facing the same teams. Doesn't really, you know, he already kind of knows what the Rams are going to do. He knows what the Seahawks are going to do. Um, you know, he doesn't really have to worry about what the Niners are going to do because he plays for them. So, you know, I think that aspect of it works well in his favor, too. Um, So it's not too much of you know new system, new schemes, all that other stuff. Um, So I think it it just truly depends on Niners. Uh, I mean, on the Niners, I truly think it just depends on Sherman how he bounces back from this injury. Uh, But you know, he's got a three-year deal. um, So worth a couple, couple. I don't remember what it was. I think it was like 30 or 40 million or something like that. 36 million. But uh, so. He's got a team friendly deal as well. I think he's probably averaged about ten, eleven million a year, uh with not Bad. So hey. Make the impact, Sherman. I, I like it for a couple
0: quick reasons. The the Niners are clearly building towards something special. Uh but but as much hype as they get, they're still a fairly young team. And you had a guy like Richard Sherman and his veteran winning presence, I, I, I see nothing but good things, you know, assuming he stays healthy. Uh, I, I would imagine he's, he's happy to, to be going back home, uh, having gone to Stanford. So uh, I I think that it's, it's better much more so for the intangibles than perhaps the product that Sherman's going to put on the field, you know, into the, into his, his thirties post in post a, an Achilles injury. Uh, but but I, I definitely see this working out well in the long run. The Rams have three new cornerbacks. I don't know what's going on, but they have three new cornerbacks. I don't. I don't remember the last time I saw a team sign, or I believe they, they traded for one, Sam Shields, if I'm not mistaken. But Shields, Marcus Peters, and Akib Talib, three new quarterbacks coming to LA. The, the Rams are getting a new stadium. The Rams are getting new cornerbacks. The Rams are just the, the Rams are just a a, a sexy pick nowadays. What do you think about the, the revamped Rams secondary there? Oh, and by the way, they did uh, put the franchise tag on there versus how safety Lamarcus Joyner.
1: So that's whew, Rams. What do you think? So this is a scary thing. It's very scary. The only thing I have, though, these guys are old. And so that, to me, is going to kind of kind of worries me. I think the Rams are going all in for the next year or so and just going to say, Hey, we're going all in and make a run. And, but that's just my only thing is they are just that secondary is getting up there in age. Um, those guys are not the guys, you know, when they're in their prime, I believe they're all above the age of 30. So, you know, that's pretty, pretty old, um, pretty formidable. So, you know, I like it. Um, that they can just kind of stay healthy and stay fresh. So maybe if they, you know, whatever kind of system they're doing, if they're going to rotate them, rotate those guys in and out. But, I mean, it, it's one of those things of late in games, they can get worn down and, you know, those those bones and that schedule, that brutal thing, uh, you know, they're definitely, I would say this, if, if they can get, you know, solid play from the D line and the linebackers, uh, make their, those corners in that secondary a little bit, their lives a little bit easier, yeah, they'll, they'll eat. But uh, if not, then, you know, it's going to be a kind of wide open field day. You're going to see some guys starting to get some separation late in games.
0: What's going to be interesting is how well all these guys are going to get along. I keep to Talib and Marcus Peters are some strong personalities. And you put them in Hollywood, out there in LA, it could get interesting. But the Rams are definitely building a defensive identity. I mean, they they had a good defense last season, but not, now even more so. I mean, this this secondary, assuming they stay healthy, you know, assuming they can hold up for the length of a sixteen game season, it's going to be a scary secondary for offenses. And if that does come to fruition. That defensive line is gonna eat. This could be one scary Rams defense. But a couple of question marks, as you mentioned. Let's finish up the free agency talk with the Browns. A couple uh, notable pickups that they added were Tyrod Taylor and Jarvis Landry. The, are, are, are the Browns are the Browns gonna win a couple games this year? What, what, what's going on over there in Cleveland?
1: I will tell you that I'm about to call Vegas. I I don't even know if I can say this, but I'm calling Vegas. I'm putting some money <laughs> on the Browns. I think they're going to win. The Browns are going to win about three games. I like this. I like it. To me, it shows that they're not, you know, they're doing what they can do to, um, you know, I like it they didn't just take some random quarterback uh, with the first pick and say, all right, so maybe, you know, they kind of bring a guy like Tyrod in. Um, he's not the worst quarterback in the NFL. He's not the best quarterback in the NFL, but he's a solid QB um, who can win you a couple of games. So you find that guy while be in free agency while you groom, you know, whoever you got. I don't know. I like it though. Um, to me, it just I hate when teams just kind of sit back and then just don't do anything, and then they go 0-16 like the Browns did. Um, you know, Hugh Jackson got him a couple of guys now he can work with, um, so I think they'll be very competitive. Um, you know, I still see them winning maybe three games, four games at most. Um, I wouldn't put any money over them winning more than four games though. Uh, I just, yeah, I'm not that kind of a bet man. So I like it. I like to see them uh, be aggressive and just say, okay, we might suck, but you know, we'll at least put a better product on the field. So. Yeah. One thing that's shocking to me is that they bring on
0: uh, Tyrod Taylor, and then they get rid of Deshaun Kaiser. I would have liked to see Deshaun Kaiser and Tyrod Taylor perhaps on the field at the same time. No, but seriously, just you know, I, I think that Tyrod could have been a, a good player for uh, Deshaun Kaiser to, to, to be to be a, a mentor for, but that's obviously not going to happen. Uh, I agree with you that that Tyrod's a good bridge quarterback. Uh, While well, they figure out what they're going to do, uh, he's definitely an exciting player to watch. The Browns are going to get fans in the stands. Jarvis Landry is an eccentric guy. Uh, he's a high-volume receiver. The one thing that I would question, I do think both these guys are a good fit for for the Browns. Just you know, for the reasons I mentioned, you know, that they, they're 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 trying to just form something. That they're trying to get some some excitement around the team, and you can you can pick. You can definitely pick two worse players than this, than these two guys. I mean, these two guys are are, are definitely going to put up some pretty good statistics, especially if the Browns are playing from behind. Um, but I do have a little bit of concern with Tyrod's accuracy and Landry being such a high-volume possession receiver who really likes to find his spot in, in zones and kind of have to know where he's going to be on the field and so forth and so on. Uh, but, hey, the Browns are trying. They're really trying, and as a football fan, that makes me happy. Uh, we're running a little bit low on time because we just got a little too excited about NFL free agency. we got about nine minutes left. We're going to save the uh, NBA talk for, for next week. We, got, we still got a little bit of time before the playoffs, but Aaron and I are quickly going to go over uh, our Sweet 16, Sweet 16 picks in March Madness up until uh, who we think is going gonna, gonna, gonna to the, win the whole thing. Um, so in our last uh, eight minutes and change, we're gonna gonna do that, uh, Aaron. Hopefully you have your bracket in front of you, and let's let's uh, let's see what you got for your picks. Sixteen to one. All right. So
1: I got. Let me see here. I'm trying to actually pull my bracket up now. So all right. So in the South, I got UVA, UK, Miami, and Cincy. I'm actually kind of torn mm. on this one, solely because of this. I know with UVA losing, you know, their sixth man of the year, I don't know how they're going to fare. Um, and that UK-Arizona game, I kind of got a toss-up. I think UK's a little bit hotter, so I'm rolling with them. Uh, I don't like Kyle Perry, but, you know, hey, I think he can get it done. Um, but nonetheless, I still got UVA and Cincy meeting. I don't think UVA wins solely because of it's a back-to-back game. Um you know, so those games are played on the, that same weekend. So I think they lose in the Elite Eight to Cincy. he moves on and, um, in in, you know, represents the, uh, the South. So coming out the West, my seat 16 Xavier, the Zags, Michigan, UNC. Got an Xavier UNC meeting in the Elite Eight with UNC moving on. Um, out of the Midwest, I got KU. Clemson, Michigan State, Duke. I got Duke beating Michigan State, Meeton KU, uh, and the fandom, hondom goes to Duke moving on. Uh, out of the Midwest, bringing it in. Uh, from the east, I got Nova, Wichita State. My sleeper, Florida, and Butler. I got Nova and Florida beating uh, with Nova winning that one. So I got Nova Duke, UNC Cincy in the final four, Nova moves on, UNC moves on. Nova, so the last two uh national champions meet in the championship game and I got Nova winning it all uh, this year. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Nova.
0: I'm gonna have to say no to Nova. As as a as a temple grad I I can't I can't put put Bill Nova as, as, as my winner. Uh, your our brackets couldn't be more uh, unlike. So, <laughs> in, the, in the South, I've got for the Sweet Sixteen. I've got uh, UVA, Kentucky, Miami, Florida, and oh, I I just got a feeling about those Texas Longhorns. I don't have the time to get into it right now, but but. But
1: you're going shock to start to today. You're rolling with shock and smart <laughs> You're you
0: you're gonna to, to learn today, man. You're gonna to learn today. I'm telling i I'm telling Shock okay. sh shaka's sh- Shock is gonna shock you, I'm telling you. Out of the so West region you, I got... shock going to shock the world. Okay. <laughs> out of out of the west I got uh Xavier, Zaggs, uh Michigan and UNC. Out of the east I got Nova. Wichita State, uh, I was talking a little bit about Wichita State last week, uh, why, why I'm a little high on them. Uh, Florida, Butler, all right, the Butler Bulldogs. In the Midwest, I got KU, Kansas, Clemson, Michigan State. I I have been known to pick Michigan State to win the whole thing on multiple occasions, and I have failed every year, uh, Michigan State's at least going to get to the Sweet 16. Duke. And then in the Elite 8, Virginia and Miami, Florida. Gonzaga. And Michigan. Mm, Yes, I just said Michigan's going to beat the Tar Heels. So uh, the Tar Heel fans can just kind of hit the mute button right now or just kind of. Turn the show off if you want. It's okay. I understand the hate. Wichita State, Florida, Kansas, and I've got Michigan State beating Duke. It's going to happen. It is going to happen. I'm telling you. Final four. Final four. Virginia and Michigan. Wichita State and Kansas. I want to be on record. I'm going to repeat myself. Virginia, and Michigan, and then Wichita State and Kansas. Did I just put the the Wichita State, or or what are they, the the Shockers? Is that right? Are are they the Shockers? They are. So not only is Shocker Smart going to shock you, the Shockers are also going to shock the world and enter the final four. Virginia, Michigan, Wichita State, Kansas, and then I got UVA, and Kansas playing the championship game, and I've got KU coming out on top with a combined score of 145. You heard it here first on Run the Point, people. KU is going to win it all. Kansas. Kansas, rock chalk. Chalk. Rock.
1: All right. That's a, that's a bold <laughs> prediction there, my friend. So, I actually we <laughs> you're actually pretty close on the uh, the combined score. So, I got the game at 140, uh 149. So, we're pretty close in the combined sword of what we think the game's going to be. But um, I just think it's the last two national title teams uh, meeting. They're the hottest teams going into the tourney right now. So, um, you know, I think they ride that wave and uh, take it. So, we'll see. But, uh, yeah, my my big sleeper, like I've been saying, man, it's Florida. Every year, they just seem somehow to put a run together. So, uh, I would... You know, Florida Gators.
0: Florida Gators, and that's
1: now, coming. I'm. I'm gonna, that's coming from an ACC guy.
0: Right. <laughs> uh, Flor Flo- Florida Gators. Florida Gators. For for some reason, whenever I think of the Florida Gators, I think of Mike Miller. I don't know why.
1: Exactly. You think of Mike Miller, uh, Joe Joe Kim Noah. Billy Donovan. I'm telling you. The jeans are still. Bradley
0: there. Beal. Br- Bradley Beal is probably my my favorite Florida Gator of all time. Hmm. Did you did you know Mom that? I'm no because of the hair. <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure if I shared this information before, but uh, if the world didn't know, Bradley Beal was uh, his his childhood babysitter was was Nellie. I, th- I think I may have brought that up before. A, yeah, a fun I heard fact that. For yeah. you. I
1: heard
0: that story.
1: All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're, we're gonna we're gonna
0: wrap things up. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna push our NBA playoff talk to, to next week, um, and we're gonna touch a little bit on uh, on the return of Tiger Woods. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll assess assess his actions and, and whatnot throughout the week and uh, give you our opinion on, on Mr. Mr. Woods' on next week's show. Uh, crazy things have been happening in the NFL. NFL free agency officially starts tomorrow, so the deals that have been reported will therefore become official and teams will no longer have fantasy money and they'll be able to spend real money. So I expect a further debauchery to happen. I don't think anyone's going to surpass Kirk Cousins' ridiculous money this season, but that man got paid. Now, <laughs> in last hey, you semester, can't, he, he secured the bag. <laughs> he, secured, he secured the bag. All right, so any last words? You got
1: 24 seconds to say your piece. Go ahead. Hey, thank you guys for listening. Check us out next week. That's <laughs> my
0: What he said. We're out based,